welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 241 of the podcast. It's Jessica. Thanks again for tuning in to the show. You guys loved hearing from Susan on Tuesday about how to support foster care families, and I am really excited to now continue on with that theme, introducing you to another foster care mom. Stephanie Nelson is an extraordinary mom who has had several foster care placements with her husband. And something that makes her unique is foster care was the path they originally set out on as opposed to doing it further down their parenting journey. That was really interesting to me. And we're going to talk about how she and her husband decided upon foster care, some of her concerns that she had at the beginning, and what she learned through having multiple children come through her home. We're going to talk about how she prepared emotionally for having these children reunified with their families. And we're going to talk about her most recent placement, who she will not need to call a foster care child for much longer because they are in the process of actually adopting him. It has been such an exciting journey for she and her husband, and I'm so excited to see them grow their family in this way. I hope that these two episodes this week will show you how some people really are called to foster care, and then there's people like me who may not feel that same call but can walk alongside these families through an organization like Susan's. So I can't wait for you to hear from Stephanie today. Let's get to it with Stephanie Nelson. All right. I want to welcome Stephanie Nelson to the show. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Jessica. How are you? Oh, doing great. Great. How are you doing this morning? I'm really good. I'm really good. It's a Monday morning that we're recording this, and the sun is out, and it's going to be a great day. Mm-hmm. It's cloudy up here. We've had some sunny days, but yeah. where, some, some rain rolling in. But Where am I speaking to you from? We are in Sacramento. Okay. I've never been. I'm in Southern California. Oh, I love it up here. That's what I've heard. I would love to visit. I would love to visit. Well, that is so fun. Well, I came across, I don't even remember how I initially found you, but I came across your Instagram somehow and I've been kind of following Mm -hmm. along with your journey and just became so intrigued by your story and I just love the positivity that you exude and that you put out and I've just loved following along. So I appreciate that vulnerability and your willingness to share and then I'm glad that you're here today to share a bit more. Yeah, thanks. This I'm excited. So for people that may not know you, can you just give a little background on yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and was born and raised there uh, my whole life. And then I, um, when I was 18, I went out to college here in the Sacramento area and did all four years here. I was a psych major. And then I met my husband in college, and we dated throughout college and got engaged and married just right after college and stayed here in the Sacramento area. And um, after that, I worked in our college admissions department for four years. And um, and then one, about almost two years ago now, I um, left that job to be a stay-at-home mom and, because we were planning to become foster parents. Amazing. And was fostering part of your vision? I mean, that's a big leap, especially (laughs) prior to having any biological children. Kind of what was your thought process as far as what you and your husband envisioned for your family? Yeah, so we, I know this is the case for my husband, Daniel, as well. um, But for me, we, I grew up around a lot of families that had 
adopted, especially I grew up in the church and, and a lot of families had adopted or um, uh, went mostly internationally, had a lot of even classmates that were adopted. So it was a pretty normal thing as like adoption when I was growing up. And so um, when Daniel and I were dating, uh, we talked about wanting to potentially adopt and um, really what ended up happening was we, when we were starting to feel like we were ready to have kids, um, I wanted to look into adoption first. And, um, and I think part of that was just cause I was worried that if we started having biological kids, I would never get back to adoption and life mm. would get too hectic or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to look at that first. The The cost really became sort of seemed prohibitive. Um, international adoption and private adoption can be pretty expensive, and some people do fundraising and all of that, and I just wasn't sure if we wanted to go down that route. And so I started looking into options and sort of just stumbled across foster care that way. So we hadn't – we had never considered becoming foster parents before that. Okay. Um, Let's talk about adoption costs first yeah. of all. Yeah. What <laughs> – There are so many children in need of loving families and loving parents Mm -hmm. like you guys. It is just heartbreaking when families struggle so much to bring a child into a family that wants them so desperately. Yeah, it can be tough. I, yeah, I, I honestly don't know too much about what, what that all entails because we haven't gone down that route, but I know a lot of it's like legal fees and lawyers and everything. And it's just, yeah, it can be really costly. Oh, it's so devastating. And especially internationally when you see, well, not even Mm -hmm. especially, but any children that is just in need of a home, you just want to make that happen so quickly for them. You know, it's just heartbreaking. But then the foster care system is a whole different can of worms. So what did you learn about the foster care system in the beginning, maybe that you didn't know? Were there any concerns or fears you had? Because I think there is kind of a Mm -hmm. stigma and a fear surrounding foster care. What was your experience with that? Yeah, so definitely we, I didn't know too much about foster care. I had, I know a few, I had a few friends who had been in foster care for different parts of their lives, but I really didn't know much besides like what you see on TV and here on the news, which is not yeah. <laughs> usually not positive. Um, and so, um, yeah, we really, what I did when we started considering it was I just devoured blogs and podcasts and Instagram feeds of people that were, I guess people that looked like us that were foster parenting. They were young and they were, they weren't super weird. I don't know. They were yeah. in the giant families, you know, like all those, all those stigmas that you, that kind of surround foster care. I found a lot of people that were just, they looked like normal people to me. Yeah. And, um, and so that helped kind of demystify it a lot for me. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love sharing our journey because I hope to be able to do that for other people. Sure. Um, but yeah, so, so I started just diving into that. Um, and yeah, that sort of just helped me understand that it, it can be a less scary thing than, than maybe the media makes it out to be. Um, and we also, we got connected with an agency pretty early on, um, and they provide a lot of training and resources and, um, really come beside, alongside you to make sure that you're able to do it successfully. Mm. Um, and so I think, I think all that positive messaging and support that we were getting early on made a big difference. 
Sure. And it really does depend on where you live too, right? Whether you're going through private agencies or the county, everyone has different rules and stipulations. So your expectations kind of change based upon what you go through. Is that correct? For sure. Yeah. Um, so our county is, um, I think they do a really good job. Um, and California has some of the higher standards um, mm. for foster families. And then with our agency, there's even some higher standards that they go above and beyond the county. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, if you go through an agency, though, you get a lot more support. Um, okay. And, yeah, we're really lucky. There's a ton of great agencies that we could have even picked from in our county. That's not always the case. So some some counties don't have any agencies and you just end up going straight through the county and that can be, it can be a little more difficult. Okay. And so for the agency that you went through, is there any cost to you? No. Okay. And then do you get a stipend or anything? I hope this is not too personal, but I'm just trying to learn more about this. Is there a stipend or anything to cover the costs for bringing a child into your home? Yep. Okay. So we, yeah, so that's where it's really different from, like a private adoption situation because sure. especially at first it's not necessarily an adoption the goal is always reunification yeah. when possible mm-hmm. and so um but yeah they do give you a monthly stipend um for having the for the time that you have the child in your home and it's um it covers most costs and then the children are usually on here in California Medi-Cal or Medicaid and um and so most of their medical expenses are covered um, and there's other assistance available even for getting formula through WIC and things like that. Mm-hmm. They qualify for all those things. So it actually helps cover most of the costs of having additional kids in your house. Which is so wonderful because that is such a great sacrifice to the family to bring in a child. And so many, you know, a lot of times I've heard they just come with literally nothing. And so you're starting yeah. from scratch. And um, and so that is wonderful that you can have that support. Is there anything you did emotionally to prepare your heart for, okay, I'm going to have this child in my home and the goal is reunification. This child will likely be leaving me. What was that like? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So there was a lot of, in our training to become, it's called in in California, you're approved as a a resource family is what they call it. But, um, so, um, one part of that for us, since we were, um, we wanted to be adoption ready was doing our home study. And so a social worker came over and interviewed us three different times for like three hours each time. Um, and it's, it's sort they're interviewing you, but it's kind of like a counseling session where you talk through what it was like growing up and what your experiences with grief are and what, how you think you're going to feel if the child is reunified. So that was actually really probably one of the most helpful things was just to be able to talk through that with someone mm-hmm. who was a professional and could kind of almost help you mm. work through that. So that was great. We, my husband and I attended kind of some extra trainings, um, a, a training that's really great called empower to connect, um, empowered to connect, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And, um, they, that's, um, out of Texas Christian university. They have a uh, really great, I guess it's called the Karen Purvis Institute now, I think. And, um, they offer a ton of resources for, um, foster and adoptive families, um, through a parenting style called trust-based relational intervention. Um, so that's a, that's a huge resource for any foster and adoptive parent, um, is, is their research they've done. So it was things like that. Uh, For me, it was a lot of reading, 
reading people's stories and um, and listening to podcasts of people who've had kids reunified and just just sort of for me it was like imagining what what that would feel like and mm-hmm. sort of kind of trying to prepare um, but we yeah nothing really prepares you because you don't know what it's going to be like right so. right and not knowing how the child is going to respond I mean all of that plays in together so tell me about your first placement who's the first child that came mm-hmm. to you and what was that like yeah so um our first was a two-month-old baby girl uh-huh. and she um we got a call about her there's a, a program in california or at least in our county where they can um sort of like voluntarily surrender if they're if the parent is having a struggle and there's sort of, and maybe CPS is involved in one way or another. Um, in certain situations, they can voluntarily um, to hand over their kid, I guess, for two weeks at a time. And then after two weeks, they'll reassess and see, and then it might be two more weeks. And then after that, they might just take them into protective custody. Mm-hmm. So she was in one of those situations. So when we got a call about her, we knew it would probably be two weeks. Um, but, and then we were kind of going to wait and see what happened after that. Mm -hmm. So we, we knew that going in, um, and got the call for her at probably like one. And then, um, and then I I think I was picking her up around like three or four. A couple hours later, you picked up Mm -hmm. a baby girl and you're a mother, an instant mom for the very first time. And what was that? (laughs) <laughs> what was that like? Did you feel like you thought you were going to feel? Yeah, it was bizarre and yeah. surreal. I, I've wanted to be a mom forever. That's like my biggest dream. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to be married, and, but I really wanted to have a family. And um, so, yeah, so it was, it was the weirdest thing. You get the call. It's like, you're really excited. I'm trying to like scramble because we've been waiting. We've been waiting for days for a call at that point. Um, and I'm packing a little bag. I don't know much about what babies need. So I'm trying my best to think what she might need. And then we had the car seat ready. So I got in the car. My husband couldn't get home from work in time. So I went by myself and, um, our agency, whenever possible, encourages you to meet the birth family at least one time. Um, and and when it's safe. And so, uh, her mom was going to be bringing her to the receiving home to sort of like surrender her, surrender her there. So I went with and met someone from our agency there to do sort of the handoff. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's, it was weird. It was really, really quick. I tried to like connect with her mom as much as I could, but she wasn't super interested in talking to me very much. Um, and so it was really quick. Um, she came with a ton of stuff, uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of clothes and, formula and diapers and everything. So she actually kind of since because of the nature of, of the situation, she ended up being able to come with a lot, but loaded her up in the car, drove off. And I was like, it was, I was like, Oh my gosh, I have a baby. I'm in the back of. of my car. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my and then gosh. brought her home and just kind of tried to figure out what we were supposed to do and fed her. And she was a really sweet, easy baby. Um, and then, uh, Actually, when I got home, my husband was home already. So, mm-hmm. so we kind of, I brought her in and we just, we were parents all of a sudden. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think something that we don't really consider, whether it's adoption or fostering, is there's a lot of excitement on the part of the adoptive or the foster family, you know, and that anticipation. 
then there's a lot of loss and grief and heartache on the other side that I think we do not give enough credit to um, and enough compassion to. Has that been part of the awareness that you gained through this process? Oh, yeah, for sure. It was it was just a really weird feeling because we were really excited to be parents and we, Mm. we had put so much effort into becoming foster parents. We spent about nine months. Uh, the process of getting certified. So we were, I mean, we were excited. That's, that's just true. And, um, you're smiling. Yeah. 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 We weren't, we're not excited for a family to be in turmoil. We're not excited that a child is being taken from their parents, but, Hmm. um, so it's, it, what we've learned a lot through this is to be able to hold those two emotions at the same time of it's okay that I'm happy that I get to have this baby in my house and, and love her and she's a joy in our life and also her life is really tragic you know at the Mm. same time and there's tragedy going on and that's why she's in our home so um it doesn't have to be all one or the other but um understanding I guess the those the tension of both um but yeah it can be tough because some you know we would we brought her to church on Sunday and everyone was like congratulating us (laughs) and that felt weird but we were excited for people to meet her so yeah it's there's a tension there I guess yeah and that can be true for anybody listening regardless of whatever circumstance they're facing you know whether it's a job loss or a diagnosis or whatever there there can be that that polar opposite emotion happening in the same day the same moment even where you acknowledge you know this is so so hard and I'm really sad about one thing or hurting for one thing but then you can also be present and be find joy in that same moment I don't understand quite how that exists but it does I get I get what you're saying yep yeah and so you gave her back to her biological family at the end of the week and with or the two weeks and without having to you know talk about too many details with their situation at all what was that like giving her back to a family where you're not exactly sure then what's going to come of her and her future? Yeah. So we were pretty, we had quite a bit of advance notice. Mm -hmm. They were just telling us like, she's probably going to go back after the two weeks. So we were able to kind of mentally prepare. And, um, my husband and I, as we were talking, you know, we realized that we, we personally felt that we would, she would maybe fare better, in a situation with us than with her biological family and what we knew about them. Mm-hmm. Like sort of just, if you were looking at it on paper, that made sense for her to be with us. But, but the, her biological family was, is the best for her because they're her family and they are able to take care of her safely and legally. Um, and so, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's the nature of it is that, it's sort of, they weren't doing anything bad enough that she was Mm. able to be removed, but it was, there were things in her situation that we don't think are best for children. So we had to just understand that we didn't, you know, we had had her for a while, but we don't have parental rights and her parents have parental rights. And, um, and, and really it's not where there is a judge in the situation, literally that Mm -hmm. his job is his or her job is to judge the situation and we just had to be parents and mm. and it it helps a lot to understand your role in this situation um and there are times when it's good for foster parents to advocate if they 
don't agree with the choice the judge or the county is making, but um, but that hasn't been the case for us in any of our situations. And so we try to just remember our role and, and serve that role well um, and, yeah. and be what she needed for those two weeks. That is a really great explanation for that. And I would think that would help you to emotionally kind of separate that out and, ma- and manage your expectations a little better than getting too wrapped up in yeah. Yeah, trying to control a situation that's really beyond your control. Yes. All you can do is what your role allows, and that is yep. to love this child, and you did that. And mm-hmm. so you went on to have a few more placements. Um, yeah. What do you want to share about any of those placements, and then we'll get mm-hmm. to your most recent one. Yeah. So we had, yeah, we've had four total. So mm-hmm. then after her, we had a long wait. We waited three weeks for our next one, which that talk, like, talk about holding those two emotions at the same time of like, I want, I loved having a child in my home and I was only working 10 hours from home per week. I had so much time on my hands and I was just waiting for our home to be filled again. Mm -hmm. But if a child doesn't need a home, that's a really good thing. So, um, at that moment, there weren't any kids in our age range that needed homes. And so we just waited, waited, waited. And then, um, after three weeks, we got a call for, um, a two and a half year old boy who had been removed from his family that night at like five and was waiting at the children's receiving home. And the, the, um, his social worker was like frantically trying to find a a home for him that night. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we got a call at about eight o'clock and, um, found out about him and went and picked him up. It took us forever. We had to put a different car seat in the car and it took us forever to get that darn car seat in the car and I was like he's waiting and he's crying because they were saying he was really upset and I'm like he needs us right now and so we're like frantically fumbling with this car seat but got it in the car finally got to him and um brought him home and uh that was a really big difference so our other one was two months and he was two years yeah and that's it that's a huge difference (laughs) and he could talk and he was able to tell us how upset he was and he was asking to go home and asking for his mom and he would go to the door and try to leave and go oh. find his mom. So it was, that was really, I mean, this, this poor kid, it broke our heart. And I have a two and a half year old right now. And yeah. so I'm picturing him being a fish out of water in a different home and I'm just tearing up. I can't yeah. even imagine. Yeah. It was hard <sighs> on a really different level for us. And he like, Every night around like six or seven, he'd start, he, we could distract him during the day, but he would start to get really upset and cry for until he would fall asleep. And sometimes that would be like 10 or so. And so for like four hours, we were trying to console him and hold him. And, um, but he would just like over and over and over and over again, repeat, like, I want mama, I want mama. And like, I, I couldn't do anything to help that because it was, you know, it was an inconsolable situation for him. So that was, honestly, it was pretty traumatic for me and it was really sad. Um, but he was a really, really sweet little guy. We got to, um, my parents were, they are feet full time. So they, um, are in town sometimes. And so they were actually in town and got to spend a lot of time with us. Um, and he bonded a lot with my dad and, um, and I don't know, I think just cause like having like, sort of interim parents is like tense, but another grandparent is sort Mm. of, I guess, non-threatening a little bit. And so 
I don't know what it was, but maybe it was just that he really bonded with my dad and they were buddies and we, we got to just spend a lot of time with him. And, um, he, his grandma was able to take him. She was out of the country when he got removed. And so they got in touch with her and basically were just waiting for her to come back and to do a quick check on her. And then, so after nine days, he went to be with his grandma. Mm. And was that a little bit easier knowing that maybe she was more equipped to give him a happy future or was it just the same kind of hardship for, for separating again? Yeah, it's, um, it, yeah, it's always hard Mm. and we, yeah, we pour, you know, we try to just pour as much as we can into them and, and that means you're going to be heartbroken at the end. So, um, but yeah, it was, I think it was helpful. We ended up, um, we didn't, we hadn't met his family at all. So when we, when we dropped him off, we got to meet his mom and his grandma. They were both there when his grandma was picking him up. And, um, his grandma actually reminded me a lot of my mother-in-law and was Mm. really sweet and we were able to connect. And so that was sort of a little, I guess, blessing that I felt like he was going to a, a place that, um, was, was a good place and that he, and that his mom had the support of his grandma, you know, even if he was going to go back to his mom eventually that I'm like, okay, well this, this grandma's in his life and that, that was encouraging. So I'm sure, I'm sure. And then you had one other, um, before your son and you said that kind of changed the way that you thought about people and families that end up in this type of situation. Tell me about that. Yeah, our third um, came pretty quickly after that one, um, and yeah, he his we ended up having him for three months, and so his mom had visits twice a week, every week. So I would see her, I guess four times a week for dropping him off and picking him up from those. And she honestly, if you saw her on the street, you would never guess that she had a child in right. foster care, and she had a job. She had what seemed like a pretty stable life, um, and I can't go into too much detail on why he was removed, but um, it after the three months, they basically deemed that, um, I think that there was no abuse, you know, mm-hmm. purposefully, and so he was able to go back, but, um, so yeah, it was a, it was a, a pretty tricky situation, and in the sense that we thought maybe he, he might, maybe should have never been removed, but, uh. um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And she, um, she was just so kind that the relationship between a foster parent and the biological family is potentially really awkward. I mean, that's just a really awkward situation. And, um, and we hadn't had any kids long enough to really build a relationship with the families before that. And so seeing her so often and bonding over our, you know, our love for her son and, um, and taking care of him and all of that, we were able to, to get to know each other pretty well. And she, I, I would just like, I just always wanted to like, tell people like, you have no idea. Like you, it's really easy to vilify these, these parents. And in a lot of situations, I mean, they have done terrible things, but, um, but you don't always know the full story and there's so much that's going on that you might not know about or might not even imagine. And, so yeah, I always want, I always like to just share about her because she was, she was great and something really terrible happened in her life and, um, and she worked really hard to, to try to fix it. So yeah, I think yeah. that is so important to recognize and it's the same for, 
you know, teen mothers and, and just people in different situations that a baby does not come into the world in the best of times or circumstances or whatever, but you just never know with any of us, you know, yeah. We, some people just have either a tough incident or a tough hand that they're dealt and just the compassion that we can offer to people regardless of their situation without assuming too much can really open our eyes to some really extraordinary moms that are really just doing the best they can yeah. with what they yeah. have. Yeah, absolutely. And I always, like I tell people, I if something, God forbid, was happening in my life that made it difficult for me to parent, I have a really great support system yes. of family and friends and church that like there are hundreds of people that could take care of our kids. And for the fact that a kid is coming into foster care, they have looked for those people already. And that means there's no one in, in their life that can take care of him, take care wow. of those kids. And so there's really like a sort of a poverty of community or a poverty of relationships in those parents' lives that that means there's they're not they don't have help and they don't have a community, whether that's because of something that they've been involved in or just because of how their life has gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a lot that goes into it. <laughs> that's really important to remember. That's a great that's a great point. And so let's talk about your most recent placement, your yes. cutie little son. <laughs> Tell me about how he came into your family and how things have transpired with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, our third was went home after three months, and then um, we decided to take about a week off before we took new placements to give us some time. Since he had been with us longer, it, we needed a little bit of time to recover Um, but we decided to do a week. And so Friday would have been like the, a week since, um, our other little guy had gone back. But on Thursday afternoon, I got a call from our agency and they were like, I know we weren't supposed to call you till Friday, but, um, we have this guy, little guy that we've been really trying for the last few days to find, um, a place for him. And, um, and we haven't found one. Can I tell you about him? And I was like, yes. And so they told us about him. He had been, um, with another foster family and his case was pretty certainly going to be an adoptive case. And so the foster family he was with wasn't able to adopt him. And so they were looking for a place they could move him that he would be able to stay potentially forever. Mm. So, which was really different from our other calls because all of our other calls had been, this is probably going to be really temporary. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really big adjustment of like, okay, like I, I maybe am making a decision forever here. And um, they had quite a bit of information about him. He had been born nine weeks early and spent um, five or six weeks in the NICU um, just growing. And um, and then he had gone straight to the foster family. So he we had a lot of info about him. And um, for better or for worse, his mom had, had has had a lot of other kids that have been in the system. So they knew a lot about her as well. So we had a lot of information about him and um, and basically decided within a few, within like an hour, um, whether or not we were willing to adopt him. And the answer was yes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so um, the, the, foster, the foster family he was with was going to be leaving for a vacation. And that was one of the reasons they were trying to, to get him moved at timing wise quickly. And so um, it worked out for us to come the next day to pick him up. Um, and, um, just one of the funny things about foster care, like you imagine like going to pick up 
your adoptive son, um, I honestly, it didn't really like register with me that like how important that moment was. Cause I was so used to these pickups and I don't know, it, yeah. it took me a while for my mindset to like shift. And my husband wasn't able to get off work. So it was just me and our agency worker. Um, and we like, we're, I was sitting with our agency worker sort of in the car outside their house. Cause we were early and she was like, Oh my gosh, like you, you might be picking up your son that you're going to have forever and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> it kind of yeah. like hit me all of a sudden that like, this could be like my son forever. And so we, we went up, we rang the doorbell. She, you know, answered the door and there was our son um, and he, uh, he was tiny. He, he was really just like a couple weeks past his due date at that point. And so he looked like a newborn and, um, she handed him to me and said like, here's your son. And, um, and we kind of, it was nice. We got to spend, um, time together and she told me all about him and his likes and dislikes. And we were able to have a really nice transition. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Stephanie today, but I wanted to thank one of our show sponsors, and that is BioClarity. Summer's here, and I'm trying to take much better care of my skin, but I don't have that much time. So that is why I love BioClarity's Clear Skin Routine. It's three easy steps, cleanse, treat, and restore. It has a special ingredient called Floralex that is an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and the system has done wonders to even out my skin tone and reduce my pore size. It feels so good going on, I feel like I just stepped out of the spa. And my listeners can get started on healthier skin habits today by going to bioclarity.com. You can get your first month for 50% off, 5-0, off a routine, plus shipping is free, and it comes with a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee. But you need to enter my code, capital E-M-P. That's bioclarity.com and enter my code EMP at checkout. So don't miss out on this amazing deal from BioClarity. And I hope you love the products as much as I've been loving them. So thanks again, BioClarity, for supporting the show. Now let's get back to my conversation with Stephanie. Mm-hmm. And you in the car again. You have a newborn in the back yeah. seat. But this time you're driving away thinking he, mm-hmm. he may never have to leave. Yeah. But yeah, was there so- part of you that wondered but I have to kind of still manage my expectations and like, did you guard your heart at all with that? What was, what was that like? Mm -hmm. It definitely felt different. I, I think with our other kids, I, I don't know, guard, I don't know if I would call it guarding your heart, but I didn't really think into the future with them. Okay. Um, like even with our, our third, we, we had him over the holidays and like, I was so fearful to even buy like a Christmas outfit for him because I was worried like, what if he goes home and then I just have this outfit? I'm going to be so sad. So like, that's like, I didn't even think very far ahead for that. I just was like, I love him today. I'm going to give him everything I have today. But when we brought, um, when we brought, we, I can't say the name, but, um, Mm -hmm. we call him baby E when we brought him home. Um, I, I had a couple hours with him alone in our house before my husband got home from work and I just looked down at him and was thinking, I might teach you how to drive someday or take you to college. (laughs) And I hadn't had those thoughts with our other kids. And, and he, he has these big, gorgeous eyes and he just was looking up at me and it kind of looked like he was trying to process what was going on and taking, taking me in. And, um, and I remember just this moment of looking down at each other, like, okay, we're going to do this. Like this, it's you and me, buddy, you know? And, um, so it definitely, it came in waves and, um, but also, you never know what's going to happen in foster care. And, um, 
you never know when a family member is going to come out of the woodwork and want to um, take care of the kid and they can really come come into the picture anytime along the line until they're adopted. And so we've always been wary of that. And, um, and you just like, you just never know what's going to, yeah. like we had, most people told us that he would be adopted by the end of the year, but we had, um, an appeal that happened on, on the terminating of his parental rights, um, that prolonged things a lot. So things like that can happen and you just never know. So there's, there's a part of me that always, kind of in the back of my head knows that I don't have parental rights over him. Legally, he's mm-hmm. not my son right now mm-hmm. um, as much as he feels like it. He's been with us for a year and a couple months now. And um, so it's honestly, it's sort of just like this lingering stress and sort of, um, I guess, like lump in your throat constantly of knowing that um, he's not, he's not legally ours yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as you get closer and closer and, um, to adoption. It's we're we're calming down a little bit mm-hmm. and resting into just being a family, but um we will be we'll be glad when everything's just finalized. I'm at sure. This point. Oh, I can't even imagine that that unrest and that time of waiting. You're getting closer, you're getting closer. Is there a certain timeline that you are expecting or is it just really unknown as this whole thing unfolds? Yeah. Yeah, we're getting really close now. Okay. We finally have a, a date for signing. And then the um, our social worker basically files the paperwork with the court to say that, like, we're requesting a court date. Mm-hmm. And um, and that usually takes usually about two, three or four weeks out. Incredible. I'm so <laughs> excited for you. And I just think what's so extraordinary about you is, is your willingness to not just go into this wanting to, to grow your family this way, but to really be there for these children that were in need in in such short increments at time and then now look at you growing your family and yeah. I just think that's just really remarkable and it takes a really special special person to do that oh thank you <laughs> that's just beautiful what do you want people to know about foster care I feel like this has been such a helpful eye-opening conversation for me when this airs um it will just aired in a conversation with Susan Ramirez who founded Austin's Angels which supports hmm. foster care families in Austin Texas and oh, cool. she realizes that not everyone is called to be a foster parent mm-hmm. but if you're aware of what's going on in the foster system and these children who need support and these families who take in these children that need support, Mm -hmm. then you can offer, whether it's financially, um, offering Mm -hmm. rides, sponsoring a little league, you know, registration, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, getting them gear. You can stand, walk beside these families who are stepping up to be the home for these children, but then you can support them. And so she's going to talk extensively about um, her experience with, with serving these families as well. But what specifically have you learned in being that foster parent that you want people to know about foster care? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm excited to hear that episode. Um, Yeah. We have a lot of people that will, when I tell them that we're foster parents, one of the, one of the responses I get a lot is, Oh, I've thought about doing that. And, Hmm. um, which is interesting to me, how many people have thought about it. Um, And I think what, I'd like to tell people is that you probably are more equipped to do it than you think you are. And it's probably not as scary as you think it is. Um, We have a limited experience. We haven't had really long-term placements go back. We haven't had older kids, but um, we know a lot of people who have, and they're honestly, they're, they're great people, but they're normal people. And 
one of the reasons people are apprehensive is because of the heartbreak that can come with with a kid going back. But one of the things I've learned is that really some when you know when it hurts the most, kind of the only thing that that I can I can say is that like we survived and it didn't like it was hard, but it didn't kill us. And we even like we're happy, we're okay. And like I I still will drive by parks and just you know like randomly burst into tears. I was walking in the Christmas aisles at Target this last Christmas and out of nowhere just like burst into tears because I remembered walking those aisles with our third little one and um and it just hits you at different times. But at the same time, like I'm so proud that we were able to be a home for him. And I guess it's just it's it's something that you might be more equipped to do and you're probably stronger than you think you are. And I've, I've found sort of a new depth of my ability to be brave and mm-hmm. I'm thankful that I've had that opportunity. So if, if anyone out there is thinking this is something they might want to do someday or that they have considered, I always just say, take that next step, whether it's checking out an orientation. Um, most counties and agencies have orientation nights. They do like once a month and they're usually, you know, no, you don't have to sign up for anything. It's just show up get info, you know, do research online. There's a ton of great blogs and Instagram feeds and podcasts that you can learn more about like I did. So I think that's what I would say. <laughs> yeah, just not assuming like, mm-hmm. oh, I know about foster care. I can't do that. I, I wish I could do that. You're you're better than I am. You know, that type yeah, of mentality right, doesn't right. really help anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting really the facts and exploring the different options um, and maybe it's not a fit, but maybe it's supporting, you know, and, mm-hmm. and if I am not feeling called to be a foster parent and, and having a child come into my home, how could I support you? Is there something that people have done or said that have been a real support to you as you've walked this journey? Yeah, we've had, um, we've had so much support. Um, we do like I, one of the things that comes to mind quickly is, is like financial support, which yeah. is <laughs> sort of embarrassing to talk about a little bit, but, um, we, I mean, I left my job. I was actually, my job made the most money between my husband and I, and I left that job to stay home and we do get the monthly, um, stipend and I work a little bit part-time, but it didn't make up the difference. And so it was a big hit financially for us to do this. And it's, it's totally fine. We've been happy to do it, but, and make those sacrifices. But, um, we've had some people like just really, really generously support us financially and, it's been incredible to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're extremely thankful for that. Um, and we've also had like people drop off like pints of ice cream after our reunifications and just be really understanding and being willing to listen. Or, you know, my boss has been really understanding of needing time off or just needing to take a few minutes of staff meeting to talk about it. Or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, there's just been so many people that have been really generous with their time and resources. One of the th- there's a few little things that I think like people don't think about very often when I was doing visits um, with um, our kids, there was like a Starbucks right by the, the, the county facility where they do visits. So it was two hours. So I would drive about 30 minutes to get there to drop him off and then had two hours to kill in between. So sometimes I was doing errands and stuff but a lot of times I just wanted to go sit at that Starbucks Mm -hmm. and use their internet and do work but I always had to buy something and I was like adding up and so people had given me Starbucks cards and that was I was so thankful for those Starbucks cards because yeah so things like that I think if you can talk if you know a foster family if you can talk to them and sort of find out maybe a creative idea to help them whether it's meals or yeah like helping their kid get signed up for 
baseball or, mm-hmm. or whatever. There's, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of options and getting creative can be really <laughs> encouraging to them. Yes, absolutely. I love that so much. Yeah, getting kind of creative and, and I'm sure when you bought that coffee with the Starbucks card that Susie down the street gave you, yeah. that just felt a little more special. Yeah, That's absolutely. amazing. Yeah. I would love to support moms like that. And mm-hmm. um, so really reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out to the moms that you know that might be in a situation like that or, or just any moms, really. Yeah. <laughs> Give any oh, mom yeah. a Starbucks card and they'll be happy. Exactly. <laughs> we all need it. <laughs> we all need a Starbucks card. You are just amazing, and I have learned so much and I have been so encouraged by you this morning. So we're going to link to everything that we talked about, all those resources. Um, it's diff- The hardest thing about it, I think, is that it's all so location-specific, you know, whether yeah. it's the agencies and the counties and stuff. Some are foster mm-hmm. to adopt. Some are just fostering. Some have the respite care. If you yep. are active in a church, sometimes I've heard of those weekend respite programs, yeah. mm-hmm. um, getting certified to babysit for foster because you can't leave the child with anybody else, right, that's not certified. Is that um, true? Well, for yeah, for our our county, after we, you can't leave them longer than twenty four hours. Okay. So yeah, otherwise they have to get background checked. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you can get certified if you feel like mm-hmm. you want to to offer that respite care for a foster family. Um, there's just so many options. So we'll provide you a few of those resources on extraordinarymomspodcast.com, dot um, but also do your homework in your own area if you feel compelled by what you've heard today. But if nothing else, hopefully this is opened the listener's mind. I know that it has for mine. Yeah, that's great. So good. Well, I always ask my guests one final question, Stephanie, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Yeah. So I've been listening, Jessica, I've been listening to your podcast since I think pretty early on. And I oh. always, every every time you ask this, I always think, what would I say? And it's time to get to- Well, here you are. So, tell yeah. me. <laughs> um, I think I would tell myself like, just wait. Because like I mentioned, I have wanted to be a mom so much. And so, and I, I was excited and I was eager and, but I really had no idea how magical it was going to be. And, um, especially with our little guy we have now, he's had, you know, some struggles and, um, and watching him hit milestones is, it's like watching a miracle unfold every day. So it's, it's so fun. And it's so cool to be a part of watching a little kid grow up and to nurture, um, to nurture them. So yeah, mm. it's even better than, than you can imagine is what I would tell myself. <laughs> well, that was a good, good answer. Well done. Um, is there anywhere people can follow along online? I know that there's a lot of privacy concerns with, um, doing foster care. Are you public anywhere? I'm public on Instagram. Oh, you are. Yeah. Okay. So what's yeah. your, what's your Instagram handle if we want to follow along? Yeah, it's my name, Stephanie underscore LMN. Okay. Really, my really creative and name. Some, <laughs> and someday your cute little guy's little face won't be blurred out. We're going to see his yes. cute face. And hopefully by the time this airs, you'll have some, some new news that we'll update this episode with at that time. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, thank mm-hmm. you so much for sharing your journey. Thank you so much for supporting these kids and for showing up, not just thinking about foster care, but for doing it. And for stepping up when you felt called to it. That's really powerful to me. Mm -hmm. You're extraordinary. (laughs) Have a great day, Stephanie. Thank you. You too. I loved getting to hear about Stephanie's journey. She's updated me that they have a new court date set for the end of June. And so we will keep her family in our prayers. Everything goes smoothly. And that soon his cute little face will be revealed to all of us. I have posted a picture both on social media and on our website. 
of their sweet, sweet family, and I hope you'll go check that out and follow along with their journey. Again, this is not to say that everyone is called to foster care, but it is so empowering and amazing to expand our minds to other people's life experiences. When we can know more information and know more about and debunk the myths of things like foster care, it feels less scary, and we can know just a little bit better how we can support incredible moms like Stephanie as they answer that call of stepping up as a foster mom. And look at them now. She's going to be an adoptive mom very, very soon. So all the best to you and your family, Stephanie. If you haven't already started following me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Links to everything we talked about. I'm going to list out a few resources for foster care, respite care, Austin Angels again, and how to follow Steph on Instagram. That'll all be over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. I just want to thank you again for tuning into the show today. You guys are the best, and I really appreciate all the new reviews that have come in very, very recently. Uh, That support just lights me up. You have no idea. You're really helping other moms to find the show. So thank you. Next week, we have a fabulous episode that you're not going to want to miss. There's lots of different avenues we're going to take in this conversation with Lori Schlegel. Lori is an extraordinary mom of one biological daughter. And then recently, she added three sons to the mix when she got remarried. We're going to talk about her experience going through a divorce with her first husband, how she started an organization business, how she ended up stronger on the other side of divorce personally, and how she got remarried recently and what that has done, blending families, advice she would give to others going through similar situations, and how we can all just be more intentional parents and more loving with ourselves. It is such a wonderful conversation. You are not going to want to miss it. So I hope you'll tune in then. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.